Twist. This is my show. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope that you are as pumped as I am for the Natty tonight. Big night, big game. And, I mean, you never know. You never know, but it should be really good. I'm hoping that this game is really good. We're going to talk more about it later. Got Disco in studio. Tom, not in studio, but here... Nonetheless, good to have everyone. Good to have everyone. It's going to be a fun, fun, full-fledged episode. Packed, jam-packed, ram-packed. Let's just throw other things in there. Uh, we can't. By the way, we can't forget to go back to our recordings earlier that we were working on because <laughs> I had already forgotten about them. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, just some side admin notes that are <laughs> happening here. But let's get into it. Admin note reminder: we we've got booze and banter coin club that all happens over on locals now. It has been for the last several weeks, but we're telling you again because you need to get on over there. Utilize promo code Drew30 to get a month free. So go to DrewBerkwist.locals.com. You can click the red button below the player right here on Rumble that says Join, or you can go to DrewBerkwist.com, then click Coin Club. All of them get you there the same way. But head on over, then use promo code Drew30, mash together, no spaces. Get yourself a month free that gets you a, a challenge coin gets you access to booze and banter which is our pre-show tailgate before the show so do all of that if you've got any questions concerns issues hit us up send a note to producer at redbeachmedia.com and we'll get right back there with you also the store is up and running but you can get stuff but hold off just a little bit longer as we've been telling you there's some other incentives shall we say exciting things exciting things that are coming tons to get to today biden's speech Trump and DeSantis news. Are we getting a dome over the United States? Possibly. Not the dome you're <laughs> thinking of, but we're going to talk about that. Fetterman got something right again. As I mentioned, the CFP natty is tonight. We'll discuss that. And FSU might be getting out of the AAC, uh, ACC for cheaper and perhaps faster. All sorts of stuff. We're going to get into news, politics, entertainment. You name it, we're getting into it. Let's get into the news crews. So before I get all negative, because the pesky problem with the truth these days is it's a hard pill to swallow, everything that's going on out there. But we do need to know what's going on, which is why we talk about it here on the show all the time, tell you what's going on. But let's go to the Golden Globes, which I didn't watch, of course. I'm sure you didn't either. You shouldn't. But Jim Gaffigan, who is not politically on our side, had an interesting conversation recently with Joe Rogan, seemed open to some ideas, but also seemed to be pretty hardened in some of his stances. But he did, I'll give him credit, he did take a funny jab at the entertainment industry last night. Take a listen. The Golden Globes. I mean, I, I can't even believe I'm in the entertainment industry. I can't. I, you know, it's so unlikely. I'm from a small town in Indiana. I'm not a pedophile. You know, I just... That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You got to give him credit, right? I mean, he called it out. There were some people who laughed. I'm sure some are like, we don't talk about that out loud, Jim. But the whole world's talking about it. The whole world's talking about it. I, I liked it. Tom, did you watch any of it? I did not. 
the Dolphins were playing the Bills last night, so I was caught up in that. My wife, who is huge into People Magazine and Celebrity Gossip, of course, she watched it. She enjoyed it thoroughly. She said that she thought of me when Jim Gaffigan made that comment about being from a small town in Indiana, and he's not a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm sure. Was he hosting it? No, he oh, didn't yeah. host it. It was okay. Yeah, uh, Kim Jong Un or whatever the the dude's name was who hosted it. Bok Choy, Sir Bok Choy. I don't know what was his name. Ko Jung Fat. Unglo. Joe Coy. Joe Coy. I was close. I think Jim Gaffigan would be a great host. By the way, he'd no, he be phenomenal. Be. The, the host, Joe Coy, or. Joke, whatever, made uh, a reference to Taylor Swift, too, that she didn't like too much. I Ooh, saw that clip, which okay. was kind of fun. But <clears throat> I did not watch it. I was watching the Bills-Dolphins game like you. Sorry it didn't go the way that you wanted it to. There, Tommy Boy. Um, questionable, questionable things. Just didn't. Bears lost, too. I mean, yeah. Is what well, it is. I mean, the Dolphins pretty much have lost their entire team to injury. Yeah. yeah. No, they have. They have. They have. And and it was a good game. I mean, it was a good game. There was a couple – some of those throws towards the end by Tua, though, man. It's like, what, what are you doing? And I love Tua. Don't get me wrong. I love Tua. J- Josh Allen had some moments last night, too, where it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but it was a good game. We'll get into some sports stuff later. But on to the news. we got to actually talk about some news here because Joe Biden gave his new favorite speech, the whole I hate Americans and President Trump speech that he gives each year now on the anniversary of the Fed surrection, which, of course, took place on January 6th. Well, he did so again this year, and it was, of course, filled with hate and lies as usual. But listen to this doozy right here. We could play lots of clips of his speech, and it would be a waste of all of our time. But listen to this particular one here. He he he. He states that he and Jill have gone to these these funerals. Take take a listen. Over 140 police officers were injured. Jill and I attended the funeral of police officers who died as a result of the events of that day. Because Donald because of Donald Trump's lies, they died because these lies brought a mob to Washington. No, you didn't, Joe. You didn't, and you know why. You know why you didn't attend the the funerals of cops, plural, who were killed that day? Because no cops were killed that day. And seriously, no one has fact-checked this out there on the news. Maybe maybe Twitter's done it or X has done it since. But you didn't go to those funerals because no one died. You can there's an art there's a good article actually on it over at Red Voice Media. You can check it out. The links in the notes. But but anyone paying attention knows four Trump supporters died and only one officer, Brian Sicknick, passed away. But it was not on January 6th and it was not from violence at the Capitol. It was a stroke with no direct links to the events of January 6th. But as I always say, the truth doesn't matter when you have the media on your side, which the radical left in permanent Washington, of course, does. So they treat this like this dark day in history. Then they gather together each year to lie more to the American people and fester this growing divide between our population. And the things that they divide us with, such as stories like that, police officers died and were killed by an unruly mob, or whatever else, fill in the blank, they're all categorically false, they're not even true. And to have the gall to get up there and be like, oh, I went to their funerals. No, you didn't. They're not dead. You're way closer to being dead 
than any of the Capitol Hill police officers from that day. Call me wrong, Tom. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. No, you're not wrong, because the media has in permanent Washington have a narrative. They forced this narrative that it had to be an insurrection to keep Trump off the ballot for the 14th Amendment in Section 3 of that, which if you do read the 14th Amendment in Section 3, it says nothing about being a president at all. So they they need that term insurrection to further this narrative. And plus, they're also basing this lie on low information voters who will just go along with the media says, oh, yeah, that's right. People died because now they're used to hearing the name Brian Sicknick. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that guy died be, as a result uh, of the, you know, Fed surrection, which isn't true. But they've just they've been able to just get gather all these different deaths and then a couple of the officers committed suicide after i remember having arguments with friends of mine and they're like well the the reason why those capital officers killed themselves was a direct result of the insurrection and it, and i'm like no how, how do you know you you have nothing to base that on and they're like well look at the people who served in the military you know you can say that the iraq war has caused you know the ptsd and the reason why they committed suicide it's the same thing and it, it's not the same thing it's not the same thing by any stretch of the imagination if you're on a deployment and you're going out on patrol every day and people who you're with are being blown to bits around you because of IEDs, that's a lot different than a fist fight that happened outside the Capitol. 100%. There, there's really no comparison. There's just not. And that's not to say that they didn't feel stressed or panicked, probably because people who aren't as prepped and, and prepared for things going south do panic more in bad situations like that. Capitol Hill police, not trying to be a dick, but like they don't really face many threats. They just don't. And I mean, there's there's I think there's there's probably a bigger not to make light of of anyone who committed suicide and served as a Capitol Hill police officer. But there's more frustration of the fact that uh, I'm a Capitol Hill police officer than there are actually threats to your, your life on a daily basis there. But. But it is. It's just, I mean, they, they're, they're able to do that. They're able to work in kind of Miller's law here and go on these truths of, well, this person died because of it. No, that's, first of all, not true. They, they say it was on January 6th. That's absolutely not true. And then these other ones, I get it. There's some nuance to it. And you could argue, and if you're a family member, you probably do, and I don't even fault you for that, that it was because of what happened that day and the trauma and the whatever. Keep in mind, a lot of those people were kindly letting people in and opening doors and seemed pretty Fist bumping them. Fist bumping, yeah. I mean, giving tours, all of that. But if you want to go down that road, still, it was not because of violence on that day. It was not because a mob kicked your teeth in and slit your throat. There was none of that stuff happening. It was just... It just... It was a shitty day, but it was a shitty day for a lot of reasons. We're not going to go into that. We've done it before, but... I just I can't believe that they continue to push this out there, but you bring it up perfectly. It's it's the the low IQ voters who they're targeting because that is the Democrat voting base, right? It's low IQ people. They like to say that they're academics and this that and the other, and some of them, in terms of a an academic test, are smart, book smarts. Yeah, but those don't. How far do those get you in life? 
Right. Well, they also like to bring up the fact that, you know, we haven't seen this since the Civil War. The Civil War, you could say whatever you want to about the start of the Civil War or whatever it was, but basically Jefferson Davis got on the floor of the Senate and says, this, what we what we belong to, the, the United States of America, we don't like it. This place sucks. We're out of here. And then left. At no point did did Confederate soldiers try and rush the Capitol and, and institute their own government. They were like, look, we're out of here. We're forming our own country. So to say, to draw any comparison to the Civil War and the so-called insurrection has nothing to do with this. The 14th Amendment was established after the Civil War, of course, but it had to do with the Reconstruction and the uprising that was going on amongst folks in Southern states. because they didn't like the way that the Union was going about the reconstruction of everything that they had burnt in the South. Right. Yeah, 100%. Can I just make a side point here, too? Because uh, Not to take away from your great point, but is everything okay with you? Because you're wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> I am, and it's a, it's a T-shirt that has lettering on it. And, I, yeah. Should we be concerned? I'm a little concerned. No, this was actually a gift for my kids. Okay. Uh, I, well, while we were on vacation, I took them to Flint, Michigan, where I was born, and they bought me a T-shirt. Nice. I love it. And like a good dad, you're wearing it. Good yes. Job. Good job, Dad. <laughs> because, because Tom Cunningham doesn't really wear T-shirts unless he's like Bosworth did, yeah. like cut a V and bedazzled the sleeve and done something different. That's Have you this. done anything to that one yet? Not yet, especially like T-shirts that have writing or logos on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are wearing one. Well, uh, uh, fast forward just to get through this because we have we uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to touch on before we get out of here for the day. The the um, <clears throat> Biden speech finishes. And you come out and you make all these bold decrees, right? And you lie to the American people, try and manipulate the American people, treat them as utter trash, which people don't see that. They're like, oh, there's flags up there. And he was dressed in a suit and it was so presidential. No, no, no. He, he thinks you're an absolute idiot. And that's Joe Biden thinking that. But you'd hope that there'd be some at least strength and all of that there. Of course it's not because it's Joe Biden. And when it's all said and done, it took Jill Biden having to escort him away from the podium. Here it was. Walking so strongly, so courageously. <laughs> just being guided. And you can say, look, there's just a couple. That's normal. Okay, fair enough. Maybe he even knew where he was going. I doubt it. But yeah, he's morphing into C-3PO. He is. There's yeah. no confidence in the walk. It's so it's so robotic. It's so bad. It's so unhealthy. The dude's just not well. That's This is not me saying, because someone's grunting under their breath. What about the orange man? I'm not fucking talking about anyone else. I'm just talking about him and how he looks, how he doesn't look. Does he look strong to you? If you say yes... I don't like you, and I think you've got a lot of problems. Does he look presidential? Does he look like he's in charge? Does he live up to what our standards are? You guys didn't like Trump because he was not presidential and, and not traditional. This, that, is this guy? Remember, he brought decency back into the White House. So he says. <laughs> so he says in a token press secretary. But then we see the video. I mean, he— uh, 
I was saying we see the video of like the Cirque du Soleil people or whatever in the in the video. Remember like the dance thing for that Christmas. That wasn't them. That was Gay du Soleil. That was something. Yeah, different. whoever. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of them. Biden looks as physically fit as Lloyd Austin doing a, a PT test. They're just, you, you could just tell that everything is off. He, Lloyd, we don't even know if Lloyd Austin is alive right now because Biden they've been keeping that a secret. Yeah. No, he's been in the hospital since December 22nd. Yeah. No big deal. Just the Secretary of Defense of defense and, and no one's talking about it the president didn't know about it for days on end nothing to see here folks but i think you know i know this is you know we're, we're kind of deviating a little bit but i just want to touch on the fact that everybody you know a lot of people are under the impression we talk about this all the time about who's exactly is in charge this should let everybody know republicans democrats libertarians people on the fence people not even engaged in politics that it, it it's not Democrats or it's no political party that r runs Washington. It, it's the intel community and the military industrial complex because Lloyd Austin, who's in charge, is in the hospital and they're just like, you know what, should we tell the president? Nope, he doesn't need to know because we're the ones in charge. Right. You know, I, I literally, I'm sure some of them mutter under their breath, why would he need to know? That's the situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. It's 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 true. You're absolutely right. It's maddening. It's frustrating to to know that's the truth. The the more, I I hate using the term awake because it's to me it's connected with with groups who have some beliefs that are way more fringe than mine, perhaps. But the more you pay attention, we'll just say. The more you notice what's really going on and you don't just read headlines or listen to what talking heads in D.C. tell you, the more you see just how jacked up things really are and how really, really devastating the situation has become. It's, it's not good, and you don't have to look far. You don't have to look far. I don't sit here and read through articles all day long and just not do anything else some people do that i value my life and my time with my family more than that you don't have to dig far folks don't have to dig far at all and speaking of digging far kind of sort i'm gonna make this segue we were talking about the the, the uh fed surrection earlier biden gave a speech and now you've got people who aren't going to dig very far either. They're just going to say, hey, you were in D.C., damn near, essentially. We're looking into you. That's what D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves said. He said the DOJ is going to start targeting people who were not inside the Capitol, but outside the Capitol, too. Take a listen. And what happened inside of the building? An important note when it comes to our prosecutions about those who remained outside the building. We have used our prosecutorial discretion to primarily focus on those who entered the building or those who engaged in violent or corrupt conduct on Capitol grounds. But if a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. So... <laughs> Take heart, everybody. They're using their prosecutorial uh, discretion to now go after people who have crossed an imaginary unposted line that doesn't exist 
because because why? And I think to me, look, one, this this obviously this whole event was planned. Doesn't mean people on our side didn't do dumb shit. They did. But it was planned. You can see countless. There's so much video evidence proving that, like that we don't need to justify. A person is smart. People are dumb. Right. But but I, I think you do this. You go to this next level. Everything they've done so far in terms of sentencing, going after people, as it stands, Sansa Rareview has been extreme and way over the top ridiculous. It's been to push fear. But the only way you do this, the only reason you do this and you start saying, okay, now we've gotten them and we've spent the last few years exhausting resources. By the way, not paying attention to big state actors or terrorists anymore. We're just focusing on the people who hurt our feelings. That's what they've said. That's what they've done. But you've done that for three years. Now we're going to focus on the people who were outside the building, who didn't even go in, who crossed this imaginary line that we didn't tell them about and they didn't know about in most cases, and we're going to go after and target them. The only reason you do that is to scare the living shit into people so they never voice their opposition to big daddy, to big government, right? I mean, that, I, why else would you do that, Tom? Show me the man and I will show you the crime, comrade. This is that's what this is all about. It's all about intimidation. The uh, the deep state has to drive a wedge between Trump and his supporters, and they have to do that through a campaign of terror. And that's what they're working on now. And what I think there are people like Alex Jones who are there who've got pretty loud voices on the right who are continually, you know, year after year, you know, Alex has been doing this for, you know, almost 30 years of telling, you know, trying to make people aware of the cabal that's happening within DC. So if you can silence voices like him, and I know that Alex had been silenced before, but if you can throw people like Alex Jones in jail, that's the goal of this. They want to, they want to cast a wide, as wide a net as possible, almost to the point where if you posted something on social media in support of people protesting outside the Capitol, they're going to go after you. Yeah. Or if you even Googled the um, flight, you know, flights from your hometown to D.C. in and around those dates, that's what they're making it sound like right now. So what, this is just it's a campaign of fear and terror to try and drive a wedge between people who aren't on board with this whole Marxist takeover of the United States and folks who want to, you know, still hang on to the last sort of grasp of freedom that we have. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and by the way, you mentioned Alex Jones in the first part of that, that, that statement. <clears throat> we were going to show it today, but there's tons of video out there of him, by the way, telling people not to go to the Capitol to go to a different part. And none of that, none of that footage ever comes out or is discussed. It is in our circles, but it doesn't matter. Us talking in our circles in this echo chamber does nothing. We need to get other people to pay attention to that stuff. But, but well, you're right. You go after people like him, and and it's it's all just show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Like you were saying, it's all just fear mongering. You cannot stand up against big big government. We will squash you. You're either in line or you're not, and if you're not, we will eventually find you and we'll pin something to you. 
people to remember. That's terrifying. Trump reached up through the beast to grab the wheel to turn the the beast around. I mean, like, there's oh, so many, totally there's so, there's so many things that was said that even though is proved wrong, people are going to believe it because it was at least posted on the news once. This is what happened. Yeah. End of story. When it's physically impossible to do that, folks. Yeah, separate. Especially with what that guy said, you know, if you're in a restricted area, the government has the opportunity to make anything a restricted area, just like when they call something top secret. So if you're in an area where the park police or the Capitol police told you you could be, and then all of a sudden they change their mind or change their mind at a later date, you're now in violation of that. It's just ridiculous that people have no idea and don't really realize that whenever they leave the leave your house and go outside, you commit as a minimum of three felonies during the day. Even if you're like some leftist whack job, it, it'd say, you know, and you keep saying, well, I don't do anything wrong. Well, guess what? You're not the one who decides if you did something exactly. wrong. Exactly. No, it's all who gets to decide. What, what does this definition mean? What does this word or action mean? What is right or wrong? And that is, that is a huge distinction. It's not, it's, not, it's not about what you think is right, because what was right today is totally different. We can't define what a woman is today. We can't define what fascism is today or an authoritarian is. We can, but collectively we can't agree on it. Crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. You know what else is crazy? Let's transition to this. John Fetterman got something right again. Wait, what? Son of a bitch just keeps... He, he's hitting more home runs than some of our people on our side. Now, granted, they're just ideological statements and him getting something right and not slurring all of his words. So it's a low bar. I get it. And our side has got such a low bar. I hate our side. Our side's the worst. But he was speaking truth again. He said this uh, about about what's going on. Just take a listen. And allies admit. There's a crisis at the border. And uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't. Short and sweet to the point, yes. But I can't... I I can't, he's saying, I can't understand how anyone would say that there isn't. Exactly. How is there someone, an administration, a movement of people, all of this not acknowledging what's happening there? It's absolutely terrifying. So to see a Democrat stand up and say, yeah, I don't know what these people are talking about. I've stroked out like 48 times in the last 50 days. And I still see that there's a massive problem. And he's done this time and time again. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of people who joke about it, but it seems kind of convincing and, and as a, like a plausibility at this point that his, his latest stroke maybe made him conservative. I, I said it earlier when we were talking about, you know, what's going on. What if he's the sleeper that destroys the Democratic Party? <laughs> He's seeing the truth, like, guys, why don't we do anything about this? And he's the one who raises the, the awareness, gets the flags up, all that stuff, and it just destroys it from within. Little did he know he was on the wrong side. They, well, they would destroy him <laughs> well before he could, but, man, I mean, he keeps getting stuff right. It's, I, 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 I honestly kind of, if I'm being honest, 
I feel a little bit bad about how hard to the hoop we went on him early on, and I really don't because the system's broken, and most of it was the fact that, hey, why are you putting up a stroke victim who can't even dress himself like an adult to go and do this job? All those things stand, and he's still dead wrong on a bunch of policies. But, man... I'll be damned if he hasn't gotten some things right and kind of changed my mind on some things. I mean, it's not just the border either. He just co-sponsored a bill that would ban congressional stock trading. John Fetterman did. Do you think Dr. Oz would have done that? Do you think he, Dr. Oz would have introduced that legislation? Hell no. No. You know, it, 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 it's sometimes it's old school lefties like Fetterman who – understand what the Democrat Party is about and try and push those sort of, you know, working man, working class sort of beliefs forward. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of from Fetterman. But I, moreover, I think that's after October 7th and what happened in Israel with Hamas, it was an eye-opener to Fetterman and the, the blatant and rampant anti-Semitism that's going on within his own party. And I think he's, just, he's had just a, about as much as he can take from it and realizes that this might not be the party that he thought it was. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, he's, I mean, clearly he is because you get in there, hey, we're going to... We're, we're gonna we're gonna prop you up. We're gonna don't worry. I know you're not very smart. We're gonna get you in anyways. It doesn't matter. And then and then he gets in and he starts to figure this out. And and remarkably, John Fetterman is thinking on his own. And it's not hard. It's not hard to think on your own. I get it's more difficult in D.C. But he's doing it in spite of some of his health issues. In spite of so many things going on. And it's, it's crazy to see because that's, that's what we're experiencing real time. Like, oh, wow, these guys aren't who they say they are. I'm sure his wife's pissed. Like, shut up. Shut, or maybe she's happy because they're going to boot him. But it's, he's got to be there and then have something happen to him for her to, to kind of go down that, that path and that role. But going back to your point, man, I tell you what, Oz probably would have stumped on the point if he had gotten through. And thank God he didn't. What a total douche nozzle. And we're about we're going to play a, tr a Trump clip here in a minute, too. And I can tell you or in a couple minutes, I can tell you I I'm still uh, disappointed that Trump endorsed Oz. I, I don't get that for the life of me. I love Trump. I just I don't get that move because he would have been disastrous. But he would have stumped on the whole we got to close the border. He wouldn't have really cared. He just he just wouldn't have. And he never, to your point, Tom, he never would have endorsed something banning stock trading among people serving on the Hill. It, it would not have happened because that's all Oz is about. So it's, it's man, it's, it, it's interesting. There was gonna, there's one clip we were going to play uh, on the border because you got Fetterman talking about it, laying down some truth about the fact that we have a huge crisis. We all know that. There was an Iran. There was a really interesting. It was a. It was a Ben uh, Bergquam interview that was on. You can go find it on Twitter. But he talked to an Iranian who came across, allegedly not a bad Iranian, just an Iranian who's trying to find a better life. Talked about his path. We always talk about like how are these people getting here? He went to Turkey and then flew to Mexico and then came across. But uh, you know, and, and there's more money there than there is in some of the other places, some of the African countries or African villages that we've talked about and how these people are just showing up here, which, which should lead you to a whole lot more questions. But he talked about it. He talked about his process. And then Ben interviewed him about, well, what's to say 
you're not an Iranian intelligence officer or an, uh, a, a, a jihadist or extremist from the Middle East. How is it any different for them? And he talked about how it's not. He was like, how do, and he, granted, he's benefiting from it, but he was also like, how do you guys not see, and he compared to Europe, how do you not see that this is going to bite you in the ass down the road? And hearing that from someone who's, again, taking advantage of it. It's pretty striking. It's pretty alarming to watch that whole thing. It's like a five-minute clip. If you go and find it, uh, just search Ben Burkwam and and find that clip. But scary stuff. Did you see that one, Tom? I did. Yeah, I mean, he's raising a red flag. And you can think of this as predictive programming, you know, like we had with bin Laden and the, the first attack on the World Trade Center or the USS Cole or the bombings of the embassies in Tanzania in, in, Kenya, or in Tanzania and Kenya. Um, it, we're, we're getting all the warning flags. And, you know, they're... they're, <laughs> they're they're being ignored like they were the last time right. because what the Democrats want, they want all these people in to collapse the system. And a lot of the states, especially sanctuary cities and states, have motor voters. So when you go in to get your driver's license, you're automatically given a voter registration. But a lot of states have said that, hey, we're cool having illegals come in and get driver's licenses. So mm -hmm. does that automatically, you know, did they automatically qualify to vote? I should hope not. But moreover, if you have an influx of people and you have an influx of people in a certain area or a certain county getting driver's licenses, that adds to the amount of the population in that area. So if you're going to rig an election, what better way to do it by saying, oh, you know, these are all the people, you know, even though they're not registered, the population, you know, of this area is X. So these votes, you know, it may be 10 or 20,000 more than are registered voters. But you know what? It was probably same day reg uh, registration and the numbers add up because the amount of driver's licenses right what do you think about domes over our country we need to shut our border what do you think about domes because because by uh, biden biden's biden's created the border crisis as as have others but trump apparently is now kicking around the idea he kind of it's kind of a cutesy conversation that he's doing this here talks about building the greatest dome ever, of course, over the United States. Take a listen, then we'll discuss this clip. You know, those domes are starting to work. I didn't like it when Ronald Reagan suggested it because we didn't have the technology. We do have the technology now. And we're going to build a giant dome over our country to protect us from a hostile source. And I think it's a great thing. And it's going to all be made in the United States. And that's something that I consider productive. You know, when I watch uh, our guys operate those things, it's unbelievable. Missile coming in, missile coming in. These geniuses sit down. Most of them are, you know, they're from MIT. But they sit down being Bing, bing, boom, she, it's gone. It's amazing. I think we could use one. Do you like that? Yes. I mean, isn't that better than giving other countries billions of dollars, billions? We're going to give billions of dollars to other countries and so they can build a dome, but we don't have a dome ourselves. We're going to have the greatest dome ever. Okay. <laughs> I mean, vintage Trump right there. Like, I love it. Like, kind of like feeling out policy in a, in a, at a venue with his, with his base, which I, I'm not trying to hit on him for. Here, here's what I would say. We, sh we, we probably should. We sh national security has fallen so much by the wayside 
over the years, not just with this administration, epically so with this administration, but in general it has, but it needs to be paramount because without national security, without a border, without all those things, none of the issues matter. Honestly, they don't. They're all moot points. So you need that. I think it's smart. I think there's other things you could do first that we need to do, like we need to just which I think he would if he got back into office, but you got to secure the border. You got to, you got to do all these things. I don't know that the, 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 the issue I have with it is not, do I not, do I want it or not want it? Yes, I want it. I want all sorts of shiny new toys all the time. That's not just for our country. That's in my life. Like who doesn't want new things? Have you seen our iron dome? It's better. Of course. I'd love to make that statement, but what's our biggest threat right now? Our biggest threats are from within. So I think there's got to be a balance in all of that. I, I think you're going to have some trouble. He would have some trouble getting that through. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at this wrong, Tom. What what was your thoughts when you heard that? Uh, it, the idea of it sounds nice, and I thought that's what you know our intercontinental ballistic missile systems were for. Not only to you know send nuclear warheads to Russia or anyone else launching a nuclear strike against us, but also the ability to take down incoming missiles from somewhere else. When it comes to a dome, I can almost guarantee that DC has some sort of missile defense system around it. I think 9-11 was a wake-up call for everybody in the House and the Senate and the the protected class of the, the Uniparty, making sure that they're protected. Um, I don't know. I, you know, logistically, I don't know how you could come up with some kind of a dome for the entire United States. I'm sure that it's possible, but at what price? Right. Uh, I thought that you know the Star Wars system that you know he referenced with with Reagan, that was sort of our dome with, to put missiles up there. I guess the missiles aren't there to be able to shoot down incoming missiles. But getting back to your point with having an open border. You know, sovereignty isn't an issue with the enemy class. It's clear that they don't care about it. So as long as the southern border and the northern border are open, what's the use of American sovereignty in trying to protect it with some kind of missile defense system? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. No, I agree. If we can have everything, yes, then I want it. If we have to pick and choose, which normally you do, you got a budget for this, then I think there's more pressing things for sure. Again, not faulting him for wanting it, not saying I don't want it. Let's just take care of the stuff that we know is an issue today and then quickly pivot and get the stuff that's a little bit more preventative, such as such as that moving forward. Uh, but we'll see. Again, if we could get it all, that'd be great. I, 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 who doesn't want to have everything? We, we all do. All right, let's get to um, question of the day. Disco, let's let's ring the bell. There it is. The question is this. Do you think 2024, which we are in, by the way, now, if you haven't noticed that, then you're definitely asleep at the wheel. We're into 2024. Do you think 2024 turns out to be stranger than 2023? Again, the benchmark was 2020. We thought, hey, this isn't going to go any worse, right? This is the worst year ever. And then we all saw what happened. It just got progressively worse and worse and worse. So do you think 2024 turns out to be stranger? You could you could replace stranger with worse, whatever, than 2023. Tom, I'm coming right to you. What do you think? <laughs> 
Well, I don't know. 2024 got off to, you know, a pretty strong start last week with the Epstein files being released, with Cat Williams' re revelations about the entertainment industry, with, uh, uh, what's his name, Stephen Hawking being at Epstein Island, the, the talk about the eight-foot aliens at the Bayside Mall in Miami, um, Jada Pinkett Smith, some, for some reason, is now morphing into Pitbull, and... Uh, 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 Gypsy Rose being released from prison. So there was a lot going on last week. Uh, it's only Monday, so we'll see what happens from here. Um, since it's a election year, I'm going to go with it's stranger. It's going to be stranger than last year. Yeah. No, I think so too. I, I, um, I'll, I'll give more specifics on my answer in a second here. Disco coming to you. I want to start mine with this. I literally just, as Tom was going, brought this. Okay. This little video I saw today. By all means. Yeah, here we go. Don't we all feel a little beat up coming into 2024? <laughs> say there's something grungy and cute about the one in 2024 no, i know but i'm just saying like yeah. that's how it was 2019 you were like everything's gonna be great, great. and now you're just like just can we just get this over with now um no 100 a lot has had what we're eight days into the year and a lot has happened yeah. <laughs> a lot has happened so if this is the bar that we're setting for 2024 I'm, it's getting weird. Yeah. Like, you know, like. It's getting weird fast. You're right. I mean, Tom, and Tom's <laughs> list is really good, but it can expand, right? There's there's talks of Taiwan being invaded in the next two weeks. I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to happen. We'll talk about that this week. But that stuff's war rhetoric ramping up on that front, on the Israel-Hamas front, the Ukraine. I mean, there's so much going on. If you kind of get to the sense of like, how could it not go the well, wrong direction? That's the thing. The track record of the last three, four years, it's not like, oh, we've re we've reached the pinnacle of how bad this year could get. It's not going to get any worse. It just keeps getting worse. So in my eyes, it's, hey, you know what? We came out the gate strong. We're still going to finish in first here. It's just going to be a, <laughs> a crazy. The one time you don't want to finish. In first. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things where I'm going. All right, what's next? Like. We should create, I mean, at this point, who would have predicted, you know, uh, Hawkins on the Epstein list and then checked it off their bingo. We should create a crazy 2024 bingo list here and a bingo card and I, see if we can check it I off. I will say I think that's my favorite thing on the bingo card so far this year is Stephen Hawking being a, a frequenter of, of their yeah. – it's gross and disgusting, but also like, wow, never in a million years yeah. that was coming. We thought he was always in a room somewhere solving math. Yeah. By the way, I still we're not going to go into this, but it's not a math problem like math is an entirety. He's solving math. Yeah. That's what we thought. As a side point, this whole Miami thing, we have I didn't kind of go there on purpose. I don't think that <laughs> what everyone is saying is necessarily true, but and certainly a lot of the videos that are out there that are photoshopped be better than that don't fall for that crap i think there's obviously way more to the story than we're being told that much is is, is for certain because to say that this was two teenagers fighting or a couple whatever a few teenagers fighting and then you see the largest police presence in the history of mankind 
it just doesn't add up. And and there's some suggestion that there was fireworks involved and this, that, and the other. It could be gun. Okay, fine. Still, but it's still, you, you come out and address that very clearly, and there's been no clear responses, just this huge aerial shot of the biggest police presence you've ever seen, and then, and then crickets. Yeah, like when we lived in Santa Fe, because there's really nothing really going on. When there was a call, every cop showed up in the middle of the night. Sure, because they're bored. They're, they're bored. But not this Miami. is Miami. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'd love to get and Thomas no body Day. cam footage or dash cam yeah, footage. Nothing. Nothing. So, so you want? I mean, no wonder people are like, yeah, I believe the alien thing. I'm not saying believe or don't believe the alien thing. I'm just saying believe for certain that something was going on and it wasn't some freaking teenagers fighting. That's all I'm going to say because that's all I know. But it, it was not – I'm not even going to say names because it would come off the wrong way. I'm not even going to say – it was not X person and Y person fighting. I'll tell you that much. No way. No way, Jose. All right, so well, I was coming yeah, up. Well, you need, you, we need your question I, to no, answer. I, I said no. I, I, oh, okay. I, I said yes. I think it's going to be weirder. I agree with both of you. I think that there's, there's just no way. I, I don't think – at this point, I don't even know how you can stop any subsequent year from being crazier or worse than the previous year. We're just on such a trajectory and path – that it's it's wild. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely think 2024, yeah. especially because it's an election year too, it's going to be wild as all get out. You guys keep sending your responses and hit that like button if you have not already. We appreciate it so much. It goes a long way in, in pushing the show along in terms of the algorithms and everything that's there. So do that. Keep engaging in the chat. Make sure you're subscribed here on Rumble. All of those things are important and we, we are so appreciative of you doing all of them. So Iowa caucus seven. Oh, and I forgot a door fell off an airplane. Oh yes, don't That's forget right. that. Can you imagine being there? Like that—that that was that was some crazy footage, for sure, <clears throat> and pictures. <laughs> so uh, Iowa caucus coming up. Big line. You know, people continue to say things aren't going well for Trump, and I and I would I, well, I'll, I'll share my take on this afterwards. But there was a pretty big line, as usual, to see Trump in Iowa. Let's take a look. Just no, no audio, no nothing. Just, just sped up. Yeah, like a time lapse. Yeah. Feel. And it's big. It's a long line. It just keeps going. Wow. So you get the point. A lot of people, still a lot of energy there, as that, as that. And it probably got longer. I, I'm sure it got longer. And again, my caution to all the folks who are diehard, Trump can do nothing wrong. First of all, I would remind you, all of us, yourself included, myself included, we all make mistakes. We all do things wrong. Love the guy. But just because his base shows up does not also necessarily mean the national energy is the same as it was in 2016 or 2020 or any, any other time before. His base is solid. You got to go beyond the base. I'm not saying you can't go beyond the base or that he won't go beyond the base. I'm just simply putting out the reminder friendly neighborhood reminder that crushing it with your super super dedicated base at the end of the day honestly kind of means nothing but as you talk iowa caucus there are some reports though not substantiated that governor ron desantis heavy d as we call him around these parts 
or Big D. We haven't confirmed. Yeah, we haven't really rested on a, you keep going. It's between yeah. the two. Yeah. Heavy D, Big D. I don't like to say Big D because I don't know. I have not, I've not showered with DeSantis. Oh, okay. I see so I can't, I can't say that for sure. Heavy D, it could also imply that. I don't know. But there's reports. Again, not. phobic. Not, not substantiated that Ron DeSantis would drop out of the race or will drop out of the race if he does not win in Iowa. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's not. At the end of the day, it, it let's be honest, it doesn't really matter. Because as much as I do like the guy, he's been an outstanding governor for us here. I want him to remain the governor for us here. And, and I'd like him to have a shot down the road. In this particular election, he, he doesn't really have a shot. And I think because of how this, this particular campaign has gone, he probably doesn't in 2028 either, as much as I don't want to say that. But at the end of the day, this is Trump is going to run away with the nomination if he's allowed to be there in the end. If he's not, the establishment's going to be damn sure that Nikki Haley is in that place. So I, I just don't know if it matters. Again, we, we think about we think about what we want or what you know what we think is fair or all of these things. Those aren't the questions. That's not the discussion. The discussion is is what does the left in permanent Washington want? What are they willing to do to get it? And if they're willing to compromise, where is that compromise? We know the answers to those questions. The answer is we want Trump gone. If he's not off the ballot, we want him also in prison. If we, if we have to settle for one or the other, okay. And if, if, if we have to have a fair or fairer race, which is a laughable term, obviously, then we want Nikki Haley to be the GOP candidate because we can work with her and we know that she'll work with us because she's told us and we've got this pact with her. That's, that, that's, the, it, again, it's not, it should be, what is we the people want? What do we as the residents, the voting, so-called voting populace in this constitutional republic want? But, but that's not how it works. It's not how it works whatsoever. No, it's not how it works. And I think that if DeSantis doesn't either win the Iowa caucus or come in with a strong second to Trump, that he's going to be out. Because after this, we've got New Hampshire, and Haley is clearly ahead of in New Hampshire. And then comes South Carolina, which is her home state, even right. though Trump you know, won South Carolina the last time. I, I, to me, it's already been preordained by the enemy class that Nikki Haley is the Republican choice, the establishment choice, and so that's who they're going to put all their weight and all their money behind. They want to get Trump out, and they want to insert her, who she is nothing more than a skinny version of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, no, I agree. There's some great memes, by the way, going around on, on all of that. And, and, and this, I think, is a good point, too, to remind people. Just because DeSantis didn't have a high-energy, great campaign, it's not been atrocious, but it's not been good enough. Just because that's true doesn't mean you should throw him under the bus as being this awful person. Because if, if he was what some people on the right think in terms of being an establishment hack or this, that, or the other, and again, I, I think he's made some mistakes. I, I'm, I'm not taking anyone's side here. But for the people who made it all about Trump versus DeSantis and were like, oh, he's awful now. He's a pedophile. He's this, that, and the other. He's, he's an establishment hack. He's, in a, he's a plant. No, he's not. The, we're seeing who the plant is. We're seeing who they want. They would have had a more ready-made success plan with him than her, but they're choosing her, which tells you, I think, it tells you a lot in terms of 
some of the behind the scenes conversations. But just last thing. Right. It reminds me. Go ahead. I was just going to say it reminds me of the trap that was set by the enemy class on January 6th. They needed an insurrection. They set the trap and people walked right into it. It's the same thing with this. They knew, the enemy class knew that if DeSantis somehow got rose to the top of the ticket and was the nominee, that he would be, first of all, they couldn't control him and he would be hard to beat, <clears throat> excuse me, from Joe Biden and any other Democrat that they put in there. So what they did was they ramped up this ostracization of, of DeSantis, belittling him, riding that wave of pushing him aside and just making him look like a caricature of himself so they could usher in the person that they really wanted. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think he was absolutely, it was set up, he was bamboozled, he was attacked from every side, and it was by design, and it's it's frustrating because he is a very strong leader. He is a talented uh, executive, let's let's say, and it just it just didn't work. The system, I mean, and it goes to prove again the system is so strong. You look at the resistance that Trump, as popular, popular as he is, that he's faced, and people just continue. I don't know how they do, frankly, but they continue to underestimate the establishment and how strong and how committed they are to getting their way. It's remarkable. Despite all that. And how unified they are. And, yeah, and how unified they are. It, 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 yeah. I mean, we could go on forever about this, but, but man, they are so unified, and it just goes to further prove that we have a fake opposition party. We don't have a real, you know, you know actual Republican party. We have a uniparty. And we have a system that we've been told existed and we thought we participated in and played a role in for so, so long. And it turns out none of those things are true. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But I don't know how you can come to any other conclusion. I just don't. Silver lining. No, you can't come to any other conclusion. We've been living, ever since the Civil War, we've been living in a fake universe where we have this pretend freedom that we're allowed to do things, but we're not. We're all indentured servants into the system that the enemy class has made for ourselves. Yeah. And if you think that I'm being hyperbolic or exaggerating, just take a look at everything that we do. We touched on it before. Every time you leave the house, there's there's at least three felonies that you unknowingly commit during the course of your day. And that's not to mention the amount of misdemeanors that you commit during the course of your day. Right. Look at the taxes. We get, you know, you get paid on your your income tax, so you pay that. Then you're hit with a sales tax, and then you're hit with a property tax. Even if you own your house outright, the government says, "Hey, you know what? I know you did the right thing, and you paid off your loan, and now you own your property." Get guess. But guess what? You still owe us money for the ability to have your family and the structure over your head. You have to pay us for that or else we're going to come take your shit from you. So, and then just look, then you go down the list of licenses. Oh, you need a license to drive your your car. You need a license to go fish. You need a license to go hunt. Some of those things that I can understand where, you know, if you are, especially the hunting and the fishing part, I, you know, I kind of get that um, just to make sure that, you know, places yeah, yeah, aren't yeah. No, overfished I, 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 and places aren't overhunted. 
but it's it just going back to this, you know, weird sort of, you know, th this false sense of freedom that everybody thinks that they have in this country. And, it, and, and I hate saying this because, you know, you know me, and I, I'm like the biggest proponent and, you know, the U.S. is the best place to live and, you know, because we're free, but it's taken me a long time to come with the come to terms with the fact that there's a small little cabal of politicians that run everything and their strings are being pulled by big business or whoever else and they've given us the ability to live in this this aura of fake freedom and, and now it's just all coming to light of how screwed the system is. You know, and I just, I get back to the property tax thing. If you're really truly free, then why are you paying property tax for a house that you already own? Right. No, I agree. It's, it's, it is a sobering reality to, to realize all of this stuff, get to this point, but all the points that you made and more and, and many, many more. I think just prove and dictate that it is in fact true and it's a uh, it's it's the it's the worst. It's the worst because you you do you wake up like hoping it was a dream and you're like no this is this is actually reality and we're all kind of doing this on our own and we're not on our own we the people is still a thing we the people just have less of a voice and power than we're supposed to have or we thought we had and and but that's still a frustrating uh and and very <laughs> depressing reality to come to here's what we're gonna do folks we're gonna take a quick break real quick we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about some sports stuff because there's a lot going on some 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 actual sports stuff and some kind of sports slash i don't know sports adjacent stuff so we're gonna do all that stick with us we'll be right back after this quick break Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. My Towels solved a problem that we've all had with towels. You go into the stores and they feel lotiony and soft, but then you get them home and they wind dry you. That's why I made My Towels. They actually work, they're soft, and they absorb. And now I'm excited to announce two brand new lines of My Towels. What makes them the best towels ever is they're now made with 100% long staple Shapir cotton. This is a combed ring spun cotton that makes My Towels even softer and more absorbent than ever. And now you get a six-piece set for an amazing introductory sale price as low as $29.98. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get my towels for only $29.98. Or you can get my designer premium line for just $20 more. Either way, you save 50% now on all my towels. They actually work. What a concept. This offer won't last long, so please order now. MyPillow.com
Disco, you got this. Remember, always paper. Okay, here right, Let's go. One, two, three, shoot. Ah, so close, so close. Keep losing. Drink up. Concentrate. It's always paper. Are you sure? Yes, it's always you sure? paper. Yes. Here we go. Come on. Okay. One, two, three, shoot. Ah, so close. Sorry, drink up. There's gotta be a different way. Mm-mm. Okay. We're ready. Alright, here we go. One, two, three. Is he okay? Uh, he'll be fine. Uh, here, strips. Oh, great, thank you. Come on, disco. Nobody likes a quitter! So let's get back into it here. Let's wrap the evening before the big game here with some other stories, some other content that we just got to touch on because it's important to me and I think it's important to a lot of you. Uh, And if it's not, then just sit back and, and have yourself a beverage and hang out with the crew. Let's get into some sports. So big natty tonight. National Championship, 7.45 kickoff. Michigan, Washington, everything on the line. Going to be a great game. By all counts, going to be a great game. Michigan favored. A lot of people picking Washington, too, though. There's, there's, there's plenty of, of dissenters out there. And, I mean, I, I understand why, right? You got Michael Penix, who's had a hell of a year. Their receivers are outstanding. They've had a pretty solid defense throughout the year. There's a lot of reasons. There's just been kind of a magic and an aura to them. Final year in the Pac-12 conference. They're essentially a Big Ten team now moving forward. But they – that first of all, Pac-12 went out with a bang. Great, great final year as a conference. I know it's technically not gone away, and Oregon State and Washington State have the rights – to the name and can kind of move forward and do what they're going to do with it. But it's not going to be the same, right? It's not going to be the same teams. But this is going to be a great game. We're, and, and we're wrapping here soon because of it. I want to, I, I got to go watch this game. I got to enjoy this game. You guys should too. I think Michigan's the more complete team in my view. Has some crazy resolve. Has weathered some just unthought of storms this year. Obviously, if you're Michigan, you can recruit super well all the time, have crazy talent there too. But I'm also a pessimist when it comes to my teams, and I'm, I'm literally nervous as all get out tonight. Like, I've got it. I've got it in, in – it, it's – I don't get nervous that easily. But when it comes to Michigan stuff and Viking stuff – for some reason, those things, things that I have no control over make me super nervous. Well, no, it's, it's very nervous. It's something that you care about, that you're passionate about. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, it, at the end of the day, if you're like, it's a shoe in, people would call you crazy. It's actually good that you're nervous because yeah. it shows that you have a level head. Well, <laughs> first time I've ever heard of sports. Yeah. Okay. Fair, yeah. fair enough. I, I do, in sports, I, I, I feel like I actually do. Yeah. In the rest of the world, even maybe as a parent, I don't know. But, but, in, but in, in this world, yes, I got it. Uh, but, it's, but look, at the end of the day, it's going to be a fun game. It should be a really good game. You know, hopefully I'd like it to, to be a little less 
close than the Rose Bowl game where we had to go to overtime to beat Alabama. But what's better than like a like uh, the one thing growing up, especially with hockey, my dad would always say like it's playoff hockey. What's better? What's the best thing about playoff hockey? You say game six. Then you say, well, what's better than game six? Game six overtime. Like, cause yeah. it's great. It's, it, oh, it's, it, it's on the line. You yeah. want your team to win, but that's exciting because it doesn't happen all the time. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be amazing. That was great. That was so stressful. <laughs> Last week was so stressful. I, I, I would like like a 10 to f- – I mean, I'd like a big victory. Yeah. But for the sake of it being a good game, let's call it like a 10 to 14-point victory tonight. That would be amazing. I don't think we're going to – I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to come down to the end because it has. It's been a hell of a year for both teams. Uh, and And – Ultimately speaking, this is a great foot forward into next year for the Big Ten. Two teams essentially representing the Big Ten. Now, I do have to like kind of rescind that. Like previous seasons of the NFL, overtime when it was like if you win the coin toss, you pretty much win. That sucked. That was dumb. That's a it's a stupid overtime. Well, the college in my book. overtime rule is the way to go. It yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, but yeah, I'm saying like when you know, <laughs> come on, Chiefs. Yeah, hey, the Chiefs had a great game. Mahomes did played great, but they won because they won the coin toss that year and everyone knows it like if it would have gone the other way probably wouldn't have happened possibly you but know. I mean, at the same time i mean you don't know you don't know you and and it's up to the defense to stop them like yeah. you hold them to a field goal you got a chance you hold them to nothing you definitely have a chance yeah but i mean you there's that rule that old rule was it's the current rule I mean, it's still, it hasn't, I thought they were going to oh, change it. the old it. rule was if you, whoever scores first. But now yeah. it's if you score a touchdown first, you still win. So if you win the coin toss, you drive down, you, you get into the end zone for six, yeah. win. So there's a little bit of nuance there. Yeah. So you hold them to a field goal, you got a shot, you stop them all together, then you can go and just kick a field goal. No, I think both teams need to have an equal opportunity at it. The, co- the, college, play, the, the college system writ large really is, is frankly better on a lot of fronts. It just... It just is. Um, but sh- anyways, it should be a good game. Speaking of conferences real quick, I was, I was referencing the Big Ten earlier and how this is a good look for them. Technically, it's Pac-12 versus Big Ten tonight, yes, but it's next year. Both those teams, Washington and Michigan, will be in the Big Ten. But it's looking like FSU and their exit is even more imminent. We've talked about it. If you've read about it, you care about it, you pay attention to it. Looks looks like that's the case. But here's a report, and you can slap that. Yeah, just slap that up. I'll read this. This is a report from Blue Blood Blyest. You can see the link in the show notes for this specific tweet here. But you've got to read this. FSU insiders have revealed that Florida State's exit from the ACC is imminent, all caps. War chant revealed today that FSU will be playing in a new conference starting as early as 2025. That's not next season, but the following season, according to this report. It's confirmed that the buyout will also be far, also all caps, excited and clear, lower than the previously announced $572 million. Why? It was previously thought that the ACC TV contract was set to expire in 2036, but it actually expires in 2027. ESPN failed to exercise their option to extend the contract to 2036. Thus, there's only a few years left of the current deal. This drastically reduces the potential damages FSU will have to pay when they exit saying when, not if, uh, in that report there. It's also been reported that the other schools are expected to join the legal case against the ACC. It's unlikely these cases ever get litigated and will likely be settled out of court for an exit fee. So 
what's the official time? This I'm just still reading this this thing from Blue Bloods here. What's the official timeline for an ACC exit announcement? FSU expects to get the exit fee resolved by this August, so it can give official notice of its intentions to leave the ACC and join another conference to start the 2025 season. The worst case scenario, if a, if the ACC drags this out, it's an ACC exit a year later. That would put FSU in a new conference to start the 2026 season. Regardless, the Knowles will be gone and so may a few other schools. So they're in this lawsuit. So FSU's filed this lawsuit and are going after the ACC saying that exit fee is crazy and no, we're not gonna do it. And here's why. And obviously with the hopes of settling and figuring out a lesser fee, knowing what they're gonna make in their new conference, whether it's the SEC or the Big Ten, where I think they'd in fact make more. But <clears throat> now with this, this, this nuanced aspect of this, that the ES, that ESPN didn't renew or, or, or take on that option, it makes it a hell of a lot cheaper. And it was almost a certainty, no matter what, that FSU was going to leave. It was just going to be how much does it cost them and when, even with the lawsuit stuff. Now it's, as they're saying here, as Blue Blood Bias, Blue Blood Bias is saying, this is this is going to happen. It's going to happen faster than perhaps we thought, and it's going to happen for less money than we thought and and that other schools will likely go too, and they, and they will and we'll, we won't get into some of the specifics of some of 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 relations and different stuff that we've got here tom but i mean don't you think other people are going to go as soon as as soon as one shoe drops in the acc likely to be fsu first there's going to be other people who go first i'm not saying it's going to get completely ravaged like the pac-12 did but there's going to be some change yeah, I definitely think there's going to be some change. And also, the way that I see all this shaping up is like the AFL and the NFL. Eventually, it'll be the NFL and it'll be the AFC and the NFC. To me, that seems the most logical outcome for all of this. And within, you know, the the AFC and the NFC, you're going to have, you know, your different divisions. That seems the most likely outcome to all of this since everything is just getting more and more condensed into one thing whether it's a, a broadcast platform such as ESPN or you know NBC CBS whoever they'll still the, the networks will still be able to air the games that they want it, well in the divisions in the certain divisions and the certain leagues I just yeah I, I'm in agreement with you I think once the FS, FSU shoe drops that other schools will end up following following falling following suit <laughs> there you go <laughs> and finding a conference that works the best for them economically yeah economically academically all of that obviously when it comes to the football aspect of it i'm not saying academics don't matter but that's <laughs> not the academically you're so funny well but here's what i'm saying here's here's where this plays in like one of the reasons that there's a a question mark around fsu joining the big 10 and I still think that's possibly the more likely scenario because the Big Ten wants a footprint in Florida. The Big Ten can pay Florida State more. It's obviously the SEC and the Big Ten are the two main you know dogs in the fight now. But the, I forget the accreditation, the AAU or whatever it is, which sounds like the, the, the basketball league, but I'm not talking about that. That all the, the Big Ten schools academically are very strong. Now, is that the main consideration for their football programs and their student athletes who play football? No, not necessarily. I'm not saying that. But, but the, the presidents of the school 
will make a stink about that. So that's one concern that FSU doesn't have. That's one reason a lot of people think Miami will actually be the Florida footprint to go to the Big Ten because it's a private school. It's a very, very strong academic school. So there's some thought of that. But you look at it, you look at it eventually. I know it doesn't really play in, especially where we're going, especially with the clip that I'm going to play next. But you look at UNC, Georgia Tech, Duke, schools like Virginia, schools like that. I don't want all of them for sports reasons. I want some of them for sports reasons. But all of them academically, if, if the ACC were to just get splintered and broken up, you know, those guys fit academically with the Big Ten. And you don't want to break up Duke and North Carolina, for example. And you don't you – know, there's, there's considerations with that. But, but I, think, I think that stuff could come into play. It's not as important as, as this. I mean, this is what's driving all of this 100%, which, which actually is a good segue into this because you talk about how it's, it's – it's, whether, it's, whether you call it conferences or whatever, um, which they are. Big Ten and SEC are obviously conferences. But – whether you make it like AFC, NFC under an NFL umbrella type situation or however it happens, one, there's lots of things that remain unclear. But one thing that remains unclear is, is, is pay for the student athletes. There's NIL and there's collectives out there and you've got people getting paid, some people getting paid more than their coach. But then some people aren't getting paid much at all and are still hustling and busting their ass for their program, for their team. And... You know what's really interesting is there's been people pushing for this. They've been pushing for a fair share for athletes to get paid and get a cut of, of the revenue that brings in – that drives the whole freaking school, if we're being honest. And no voice has been louder on that and more frequent on that than Jim Harbaugh over, over in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. Which is, which, is, which is great, and I love that he's been so st- – I mean, he, he's built a great team who loves each other and has stuck through all this stuff. But I love that he's focused on, on helping the student-athletes. Well, you can, you can agree with whether you think student-athletes and college football players should get paid or not. That's not the point. I like that he's, he's stuck behind them and been like, look, we're all making all this money, the school, the coaching staff, the athletic department, yada, yada, yada. What do they get? He's, he's been a thorn in the side of the NCAA on that. And I just remind you before we play this clip, remember, remember that he is someone that the NCAA loathes. And there's really not a whole lot of good reason for it. You can, you can like the guy, dislike the guy. I think a lot of it has to do with his push for players getting compensated because it pushes the NCAA further out in a way and screws them over and and takes money from them just a thought just a thought but listen because he's he's down in in houston getting ready to play tonight and this weekend even he was still pushing for it. take a look let's do the right thing here and um who is that voice i don't know that who's the voice for the student athletes but you got the organizations you know that are really fighting for their for fighting for their share and their peace and um it's time to time to share i mean i would say this i mean i'll say it this way anybody that's uh profiting off of the student athletes right now myself included uh, coaches, you know, somewhere between five and ten percent. You know, take five to ten percent less. You know, that'd be go for any administrator, any coach, any conference, uh, any university, uh, NCAA, 
five to ten percent less, and then maybe a ten percent tax from the television station more into one pot for the uh, for the student athletes. Maybe that's a start. A way, but some conversation here on how to how to get it done because. I don't know if people know this, but I've been told uh, maybe 17% it's going up. The TV contracts are going up another 17% next year. So ever-growing, ever-ever-increasing revenue that it'd be right for the student-athletes, not just football, all student-athletes to share in. I love it. Look, and I, like, it may, maybe you think it's – because it's Jim and he's a Michigan guy and I like Michigan and all those things. No, I just think that it's great that he stands up for them and talks about, he knows as a lot of these people do, how much money is in college football, big college football like this. And he knows what it takes to be successful with these programs and these student athletes and, and, and the hours and the time and the, the blood, sweat and tears they put in. I, I love that he's t- – I don't know what your stance is on this, Tom, but I love that he's taken this take. And it's one of the things that actually in, endears me to Harbaugh even more, even if he wasn't the coach of Michigan. I think it makes – he could be the coach for Ohio State. And, it, and, it, and I would say I, I agree with what he's saying. Ryan Day would never come up with something like that. But, like, but it, but it would – I agree with that. I agree with, I agree with his incentive. And it doesn't take much. You take – you talk about all the money that's there. You take a percentage, 5 to 10, like he's talking about, and just trim it off all these things. Those would end up being big figures, yes, because there's big money in college football, massive money in college football. But, but it would go a long way. Yeah, I, you know, I have a tendency to agree with him. And I also agree that, you know, if he's going to start, you know, talking about percentages, where, where does that go? Do we have a sliding scale? Does your do your top players make the most? And how does that work? And who negotiates that? So if you want to bring in agents, then, you know, out of high school, like if you sign a commitment letter to Michigan or whoever, then you should probably have an agent and an attorney to negotiate your deal and how much the university is going to pay you. But also, if you go to that university on a, you know, you're making your NIL money as well as being paid by the university because you're taking their, all this money is going into a pot, then do you pay for your, your tuition in there or is that part of your scholarship? And if it is part of the scholarship, then you're responsible for the taxes on that scholarship or you're responsible to pay your tuition, which would come out of the money that you're being paid to go to that school because now you're an employee of that school. Right. And that gives the coaching staff and the athletic department the ability to treat you like an employee to fire you for a cause. Right. So. I, or, or trade you to a, a, another school, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to that conversation as well. But I think, you know, moreover, our, our, to be competitive in football and basketball, which are your two top revenue-producing sports, what's that going to do to the rest of your varsity sports that you have at a school? For a lot of student-athletes, it's their you know, opportunity to defray the cost of tuition by getting on a scholarship for like the crew team, for fencing, for cross-country, for track. These typically non 
revenue producing sports and what's the scale for them because they're not going to a non-revenue producing sports not going to make the you know somebody who's in the top of that is not going to make the same amount of money as your star quarterback who's up for a Heisman right so what's going to end up happening is a lot of those other non-revenue producing sports are going to be put by the wayside because you need to focus all your money all your yeah all your money on recruiting the top people to get into your program so there are some benefits to it i think it's a a, a very narrow focus when you're just looking at basketball, when you're just looking at football and basketball because they're your your top revenue-producing sports, I think there are a lot of other sports that are important if, if student athletics is actually the cornerstone for collegiate sports. If it's not, if it's all about money, then get rid of all those other sports yeah. and have nothing. Just have basketball and football. And that's it. Well, it's tricky. I mean, and, and, and we, to be clear, I support Jim, which is not – I'm not saying you're saying opposite of what I'm saying. But for the masses out there, I support Jim's notion that in college football in particular, basketball is not far behind. Uh, well, I, financially speaking, it, it, it kind of is. But, like, but it's the closest thing for sure. And then it's literally just a massive drop-off where almost no one cares. Sands – hockey programs at, at the at, at, at the schools that do really really well there they do they do pretty well but like I, I I just think that they should get if we're gonna go this way if we're gonna depart from the old school which clearly we have we are it's happening whether you like it don't like it doesn't matter you can't stop it. it's happening then there needs to be some form of compensation. How it happens and how it scales in terms of you're a true freshman, you're a redshirt freshman, you're first string, you're fourth string, you're just a special teamer or you're the quarterback. There's a lot of chaos in, in, in there. And that's going to be hard for people to figure out. But if you're going to go that route, you got to figure it out. I, I think parts of what Chip Kelly talked about in his rant or press conference a couple of weeks ago was interesting where if you're going to do it this way, you, you take these power conferences and you make it one or two, or you make it conferences under an umbrella or whatever you do. And they are separate to the point where the schools and how they handle other sports, other intercollegiate sports that, that perform less and, and whatever, still have their conferences they're more traditional conferences hey I, I run crew for these guys or i play girls basketball for these guys or i play volleyball or i play and i, I love some of those sports by the way i'm not picking on them but you compete against you're still in you go to buffalo you're still in the mac you're still competing against marshall and toledo and bowling green you're you're in the the acc but you're uh uh uh, pole vaulter you still are competing against those same people and then you pluck out football and maybe you do the same for basketball maybe you pluck them out and you say hey you're over here this is where the money is you're getting paid for this and maybe the school takes a portion of that yes and dumps it into their other athletics but they're just two separate bins and i i don't know it, it's all so confusing and and different now but you're gonna have to go down that path and you're gonna have to use i mean I, i'm not for collapsing other collegiate sports but I am, I am for the awareness of, like, collectively all combined, you don't make what football does. So how do we, how do we reconcile this? Because this kid right here, 
whatever number he is, whatever year in school he is, he's a junior quarterback. He, he wears number four. He's helping bring in more than your entire team and season does in ticket revenue and jersey sales and, you know, the TV deals of this football. Pro- I mean, it's, uh, so there has to be that. It, it's it's going to be weird and and unruly waters to navigate over the years ahead. But I think three, five, certainly five years from now, it's going to look vastly different. Sure. And I agree. And if you've got somebody who's a junior and he's, you know, a third on the depth chart, as quarterback and you bring in a freshman I think you know if we go this model I think that the university and the coach is well within their rights to take that kid pull his scholarship and kick him to the curb and bring in a freshman and that guy and that kid's got to start all over again somewhere with no NIL deal or if he does go to a smaller school yeah no absolutely that, that, that that's what you run into you know I mean if you if one of the benefits in, 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 you know, and it's all business, but what are the benefits to going to a Michigan and is say you're, you are number four on the depth, depth chart and maybe you get in like once or twice and you still get a varsity letter from it. It's the fact that once you get out into the business world, you still have graduated from the university of Michigan and you're going into a career that, you know, you majored in, but sort of the slippery slope is if you can't afford Michigan and your only way to get there is to be number four on the depth chart and then your junior year you get booted you got to figure out where you can go because you can't afford the tuition at Michigan to make sure that your credits transfer and you can carry on and get your degree even though it's not going to be as prestigious as it would be from a Michigan right yeah and and Eight, nine, maybe damn near 10 out of 10 of those kids won't be able to because Michigan's expensive as all get out. So, yeah, I, that's, a, that's a fair point. Uh, Disco, Disco, I gotta, if you could do something, can you just Google and see how many um, varsity sports the University of Alabama has? What's your guess? Uh, my guess is four or four or six. How many varsity sports? Yeah. Why only four or six? They've got way more than that. I think they did at one point, but I think they've narrowed it down. According to this, it's 21 varsity teams. Oh, really? 21. That was more than I expected. Yeah. Because even if they narrowed it down, you think of all the sports, and then you think of male and female for a lot of them, basketball, you know, volleyball in some schools, you got baseball, softball, cross country, crew, you know, all that stuff. Well, it's, it's hard. You know, when you talk about collegiate sports as a whole, there's, there's Ivy league schools who have an awesome fencing, you know, thing. And it, 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 but you know what I mean? But and people get in and they get scholarships for fencing, but unless you're in the fencing realm, no one cares. No one knows what that is or who you are yeah. unless you're actively in that. Yes. Hey, once every four years, it's going to be in the Olympics and it's probably going to get prime time and awesome. That's great. But, and, and everyone will tune out for that particular. Yeah. Course. But on, but, but on a collegiate level, you know what? Yeah. You know what? This Ivy league school may be undefeated in fencing and their program brings in a lot of, it brings yeah. in money, but it's yeah. still not what it football or 
basketball or maybe even what baseball brings in for their school because no one, no one really cares about fencing. <laughs> you know, like it's a hard, even tennis, great sport, tennis. There's lots of great sports out there. It's just yeah. no one makes no one makes money like football does. And no one's waiting in line to go see a fencing <laughs> tournament or like no one's filling a, a, a stadium for fencing. Yeah. You know, I mean, hey, that one time we showed the footage of the of the volleyball, the women, the girls volleyball. Yeah, yeah. They're legit. But I'm like, that was like the fact that like, no, let's put it in the stadium. Let's have everyone showing up and all that was great. Yeah. Let's have that happen to every sport. But yeah. no one, no one's going to show Nobody up. Nobody sells tickets to the Boston Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to say. And, and it, Hey, trust me, if you were sitting there as the athletic director it, with all the people, the coaches be like, you're important. You're not, I'm so sorry. You can leave. Thank you. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to say. It is. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> They're like, what do you mean it's unborn? But, this is my life, you know. But but it's important. It, it's it, it really important that people also understand reality. Yeah. And reality is reality. Whether we like it, agree with it, disagree with it, it doesn't matter. It just is what it is. Well, Tom said it earlier. With all these deals going in through now, it is now it's it's totally business now. It is not just sports. Yeah. It is business. It's not just education. This is business. What brings in the money, baby? That's all it is. Don't yeah. don't get offended. Sorry. Yeah. See no. you later. Absolutely. Well, don't get offended that I'm going to rush through this last story, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, but you've got – let's just switch to NFL, sort of. NFL adjacent here, and I can see the preview, and it's delightful. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, lots of talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey this year. I'm sick of it. I'm super over it. I'm kind of over what we're – Secretly, you're hoping that they get married, right? No, I, I just literally <laughs> could care less. I literally – could care less and and the people who love it uh, if you don't care but you do, I don't care I don't want you to necessarily hate it or or anything like that I just the people who are like super into it, it's like what what are you doing stop it like you know, I want to like shake them like in the scene an airplane and and and, <laughs> and the line of people try and fix it. <laughs> but there's there's some competition for Taylor Swift in town and it's coming from an unlikely source because you've got Jake Browning, a Washington alum, by the way, who signed with and was on the practice squad for the Vikings for a while, who stepped in, stepped in for Joe Burrow after his injury as the backup there in Cincinnati for the Bengals, and has played pretty well. You see, he's had a pretty good end of the season, all things considered. But no one is a bigger star than his girlfriend, Stephanie Niles, who's been stealing the show as of late. And yesterday, she upped her game even more with this outfit. I think we got two clips, right? Kind of mashed together? Yeah. Yeah, let's just take a look and then we'll, we'll discuss. So full body spandex with Jake's number on there. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the tweet for that second video was she knew exactly what she was doing. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, I mean, that's my point is, look, look, Stephanie Niles, you are gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Just put up a still picture of Stephanie. Put it up from the first video. It's more clear. Well, maybe it's not, but whatever. Gorgeous person. But they've gotten to go in Burroughs. I don't know if it was this, if this was the same one, but they've been Burroughs has very kindly been letting Jake's girlfriend and family members go into his box. box. Okay, yeah. during the game, very kind. I'm injured. Don't make them sit out in the the cold. Yeah. You know, come come. You know. But man, you, you talk about ticket sales. You're, you're, you're <laughs> I, I don't. Know, 
I guess I don't blame her either. Like you're trying to become an influencer, you know, catch a heater and get some extra revenue opportunities, which I'm sure she's getting all of that stuff. My question is, is okay. I understand why you're doing it. I understand what you're doing. And to an extent it's working. Cause here we are and we're talking about it and you look great. You look great. And you're, you're onesie, but how does Jake feel? Like, does Jake like this? Because Jake is a backup quarterback who's done at, he had, he played great when he was here in Jacksonville, did a, did a great job that game. Everyone was like, Oh my gosh, they're going to be great. Even without Burrow, As, you know, pump the brakes a little bit there. Like you want Joe Burrow in, but then you have Stephanie pop up with her perky little body and her blonde hair. And, and she's, you know, all over social media and she's choosing outfits very deliberately. Do you like that as Jake or do you not like that as Jake? I kind of think I'm a traditionalist. Like I want, I like, I like, I, I prefer my, my, my uh, wife in this case, but significant other, whatever to not be like all flamboyant and out there like that. But, but what do you think Jake thinks? Did we lose you, Tom? Uh, Tom might be frozen. Oh, he's frozen. Uh, he I think Jake is a generation now where it's like everybody's their own brand. So I think that's part of the, the dating landscape in 2024, especially in professional athletics. You know, I don't know if they're going to end up getting married or what their deal is, but I'm just looking at, you know, Stephanie Niles' Instagram right now. She has 36,000 followers, which isn't, you know, that's a, that's a good amount, but it's nowhere near like an influencer sort of status to it but but what was it th three weeks ago would be my question right and i don't know I yeah don't know. exactly i, I wish i knew but but nowadays the being a instagram personality or whatever or like a like you know a celebrity from instagram is the new trend it's what it is jake's probably like hey go for it do whatever because that's what she's making if she's gonna make money off of it go for it whatever i don't i don't know like not jake what right yeah jake, yeah, yeah, jake. Yeah. i just you know it's it's one of those things where things are a lot different now and she can make money wearing yeah, it's spandex a onesie thing it is no, it is. It is different. I would just say this, Jake. If if you don't see sponsors coming in, but you see money rolling in, she's got an OnlyFans page. And I just be on the lookout. You'd probably make more if you were there. Probably. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but OnlyFans is expanding to OnlyFans television, or they're coming up with a digital platform that it just isn't porn. Yeah, lots of comedians. Well, I saw that. I saw, I've been getting lots of ads for it. Well, it's it's it's. You got to be careful with because if you click on it, then you get more ads for OnlyFans, and then people are like looking over your shoulder, like, oh, oh, he's on OnlyFans. That's what Drew's in. No, it's it's funny because the most talked thing about OnlyFans is the porn, the ASMR, all, all the kinky stuff. But like, if you were to go on there, there's cooking, you know, OnlyFans pages. There's knitting. There's like all these things are there. But because it's like boring and not taboo, it's never talked about it's never highlighted it's the you know that, that's why the people who do the scandalous ones they could say oh we're in the top one percent of only fans but yeah because you <laughs> do you see what you just did? <laughs> like i didn't even know you could bend that you're competing yeah. with with cindy over here who's like today we're going to talk about a cross stitch you know like yeah. <laughs> no one's <laughs> signing up for that i think it's a really smart move on their part yeah. for sure though I, I i'm not saying we're going there we've got locals we've got other stuff but see then we'd have to be topless the whole time if we went there but you're just saying no we don't we don't <laughs> we don't know it and trust dude only fan swag is something that i would wear on air 
Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. For now, we're going to get out of here so we can all go watch the game. We hope uh, you guys had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to spending the, the rest of this week with you. It's going to be a fun week, no doubt. Thanks for being here. Hit that like button on the way out if you have not already. We we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Reminder, come join us on Booze and Banter at Locals on Locals tomorrow. We're not going to be an OnlyFans tomorrow, but we will be at Locals. <laughs> DrewBerkwist.Locals.com. You can click the red button below uh, on Rumble here that says join, or you can go to DrewBerkwist.com and click Coin Club. However you get there, use promo code Drew30. It'll get you a month free. It'll get you a challenge coin. Access to Booze and Banter, which is Monday through Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, right before the show. We'll hope to see you at all those places and back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be smart. Be free.